0: Hello, and welcome to Yara's Haunt. I am Yara, and I am here to share with you stories of the horrific, strange, bizarre, and terrifying. Let us go then, together, into a realm of fear. I promise to bring you back safely. There was something unsettling about this house. Under normal circumstances, I would have never even looked at it, or at least would have avoided doing so. A hard wind blew from the north, and the once gentle dusting of snow transformed into a stinging blanket of nettles against my exposed face and hands. Having just locked my car, I stood shivering under the cold, bright winter sun. A deranged street preacher echoed through the deafening silence of this sleeping suburb. I briefly caught him pleading that I turn around. If only things were that easy. It appeared abandoned, cast aside as a broken toy centuries ago, neglected beneath the stairs, and left to become an object of errant nostalgia. Those years of solitude had apparently bred hostility, for every casual glance toward the house's face elicited a feeling of contempt. Yet something pushed me forward. This was something I must do. I opened my trunk and pulled out my emergency flashlight. No doubt this dwelling had never been graced with electricity. A car pulled into the neighbor's driveway, and in her eyes I saw a sloppy concoction of fear, curiosity, and sorrow before she scuttled indoors, hungry for warmth. As I walked up the jagged, splintering stairs of the front porch, I recalled the faded yellow photograph I found months ago tucked away in an old family album bequeathed to me by my mother, my last living relative. In it was depicted this house, blossoming into the product of anger I stood before at that moment. It was then that the dream started, but it wasn't until last Friday that those nightmares culminated into a phone call, tangible in that mist between ether and reality, which led me to the foundation of my dreaming horrors. Before me lay a boarded door and barred windows, either to deter my entrance or prevent escape, a truth I would have preferred not to acknowledge. I proceeded to determine as to whether or not I could pry away the boards from the doorframe, for they seemed to be as antiquated as the house itself. Not surprisingly, after a few tugs, the oxidized nails crumbled into neat piles of rust on the weathered floorboards. At first, I tried the doorknob, but this too, being disused for eons, fell into my trembling hands. Now wrought with fear, yet determined to put these nightmares to an end, I pushed with my shoulder against the door the hinges screaming in protest. For fear that the world may see my unholy trespass, I closed the door behind me as quickly as it had opened. After flicking on my flashlight to ward away the oppressive darkness, I became aware of a dampened, low hum which seemed to emanate from the floor beneath me and from behind the filthy, tattered, once-golden wallpaper that surrounded me. Apart from this sound that gave even more life to this horrifying structure, the silence was as thick as glue. I could no longer hear the manic cries of the street preacher, and I felt sealed away within a capsule of malice and hate. From the back of my mind and from the depths of my person, something pressed me forward, so strongly it felt as a pair of hands against my back. A veil appeared to have been lifted from my eyes as I turned from the parlor into the great hall, where once my eyes were suffocated with darkness, there was now a brilliant light flooding this spacious room. As I looked about the room to discern the light source, I perceived naught. Curiously, the luminescence seemed to come from the walls themselves. As my attention was focused on the mystery of this room's light source, I scarcely noticed until almost too late the presence of an enormous hole at the center of the floor in front of the grand staircase. The hum seemed to emerge from this hole, frothing in an obscene front to language and thought. Nearly falling in, I stumbled backwards, only to fall flat on my back. As I lie there stunned, I glanced up at the ceiling to see something which ran a shiver beneath my skin. In that brief moment, before finding my bearings and shaking back reality after my fall, I could have sworn that I saw a shadowy figure skirt behind the skeleton of an old chandelier hanging precariously above the gaping hole. Yet as soon as I had gained my senses, there was nothing nothing but the peeling yellow paint of the vaulted ceiling. Scrambling to my feet, I fumbled in my pockets for something, anything, to keep that shadowy beast at bay. At last, my sweating palms seized a rusty pocket knife, which was given to me by my father on my eighth birthday, one year before he disappeared from my life. Drawing the blade in my left hand, I frantically searched for my missing flashlight in fear of a shadowy ambush. I found it three feet from my right foot and ran towards it. After hurriedly shoving it into my back pocket, I cautiously scanned the room in search of what I perceived to be my stalking assailant. Roughly five minutes had passed before my rational mind began to attempt to put me at ease. It was just playing tricks on me. I slowly began to believe this, for it was either I accept this explanation or flee the house to be forever haunted by my nightly terrors. Ever so slowly, I crept to the edge of the hole laid before me. A choked scream tried to force its way past my lips, but to no avail. In a moment, within that yawning pit, I saw an image of my father. Having missed him so, and with my recent overwhelming fears wreaking utter havoc upon my nerves, I reached forward to embrace him, but at the last moment drew back in disgust and confusion. I saw my father, as real as the knife clutched in my aching hand, drown within that pit, sucked beneath a pool of churning, crimson red. At this revelation, that choked scream erupted from my throat as I reeled back, aghast. In time as well, for my scream had muffled the sound of my impending doom. Having stepped from that angry chasm, the delicately hung chandelier had fallen and now plummeted into that depth of red, that hideous, foaming red. My eyes clenched tight, no longer able to withstand such visual trauma. As my sight was soothed by the void behind my eyelids and the echo of my scream waned to silence, I could make out a new, frightening sound. I opened my eyes to see the once again empty hole, but could hear the splintering of wood and the tearing of fabric. No! It can't be! But how these things play out... The hole began to widen in an attempt to take me along with my father in that grotesque chandelier. I scrambled away, but my legs failed me, so racked with fear they were. I landed hard on the faded floral carpet and pulled my legs to my chest as I lay on my side. I began to weep, as my fate was seemingly determined to be swallowed by a precipice which knew no depths nor boundaries. Then, as death seemed imminent, the noise ceased. Never before had I felt such crippling fear as I did in that moment, nor had I ever felt such relief. With what strength I was able to summon, I shambled on all fours to the nearest wall in order to rest, think, and regain my composure. I propped myself up against that hideously stained wall, no doubt concealing all sorts of monstrous insects and spiders. I was no longer bothered by such things, not after having witnessed so great a travesty to law, nature, and all that is good and holy. I became determined to resolve the secrets of this house and of my nightmares for good. Taking my opportunity, I ran toward the stairs along the outskirts of the pit. With each perilous step, I taunted death, mocked fate. I knew that since this abominable dwelling knew no bottom, the answers must be found at the top. After arriving to the uppermost step, I paused, contemplating whether to take a right or left. I was drunk with the vitriol coursing through my veins for this house and its attempts to extinguish me, and I was resolute in my purpose to vanquish it. Nothing save the armies of hell could prevent my survival. I would be victor, not victim. Gazing down the hall to my right, I saw the oddest thing. Lying on the floor was an axe. Finally, I had at my disposal a proper vehicle for the dispatch of any shadowy foes which may be foolish enough to cross my bitter resolve. I closed my now redundant pocket knife and thrust it back into its place. As I knelt to pick up the axe, I noticed that beside it was a small brass key. I picked it up as well after securing my newly acquired weapon. I was worried about the integrity of this instrument, for although the head was solid, the handle felt brittle and rotten. Surely this axe, like the rest of the house, had gone unused for ages. I was positive that it only had one swing left before it, as the nails upon my entrance, would disintegrate into a restful dust. My attention was then focused back to the key. Which door in this bottomless house could this key possibly open? Perhaps a demon had misplaced it and could no longer enter the gates of Dis. I decided to try my luck and see if it belonged to the door directly on my left. I first tried the knob and it was, indeed, locked. I inserted the key and after a strained groan from the mechanism, I at last heard a click, satisfied that I was one step closer to solving the riddle of my terrors. Little did I know that with that fateful turn, my fate had been calculated and exacted. Upon opening that terrible door, the horrors which I had before experienced became nothing more than inconveniences. Behind that cracked, forgotten wood were the most torturous images ever wrought. Had it not been for this door, had it not been for this house, had it not been my fate... This innocuously empty room concealing only a bed and shredded wallpaper would have seemed commonplace and indeed comforting to me after having experienced the evil I had so far been privy to. No, not today. On this hour, I was forsaken by providence. God and all of creation had turned its back on me in that moment. Hidden in that wallpaper of the most hideous and despicable yellow was something for which my psyche could not prepare. Beneath those impossible angles, and inexplicable geometry which both confounded and assaulted the eyes was none other than my own mother. I saw her as she was in the final days before her untimely death. Creeping, creeping, always creeping, and oh, how she shook her cage! It was then that I understood the gravity of my childhood, and how my father searched in vain for what had claimed my mother, and my grandmother, and her mother, and that which would eventually claim me. It was always this house. The dawning of this truth struck me as lightning from a clear blue sky. As I dropped the axe and backed away from that dreaded yellow room with tears streaming down my face, I saw that shadowy figure once again. Only this time there was no malice, contempt, or anger. There, within its striking violet eyes, I saw myself returning home. This creature was receiving its prodigal child. Something, though, felt wrong. Perhaps it was a shifting of the light, or a flicker of emotion behind those ageless purple eyes. What at first appeared to be desire and longing now looked like... I backed away, slowly at first. I needed freedom. I had my answers. It was time to leave. Yet this thing knew my intentions, and its eyes grew deeper, more complex. I felt the balustrade against my back and I began searching for my seemingly inefficient pocket blade. The thing became desperate and leapt toward me. Startled, I pushed back against the railing. At first, I felt resistance, and then nothing. Free falling backwards and out of control, I cascaded toward the pit. I knew that my life was forfeit. Then, out of nowhere and with no warning, I felt innumerable hands caressing every inch of my body, slowing my descent. I saw through the opening of the pit, those violet eyes brimming with satisfaction, and all around me, the once menacing humming had become bittersweet promises echoing throughout every particle of my being. Slowly, and ever more slowly, the opening of the hole began to close. My muscles slacked, and the world I so desperately longed for began to transition. It began to fade. I began to fade. Fade into the most brilliant shade of yellow. Tonight's story was entitled Paper Doll. Inspired by the yellow wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, it was written by Derek Penrod. The music for this episode was downloaded under the Creative Commons license at freemusicarchive.org. Music for this episode was written by Westy Reflectory and Lee Rosevere, Kai Engel, and Corey Gray. Narration and production was done by Derek Penrod. Questions, comments, suggestions? Would you like your story, music, or artwork featured in another episode? Contact Yara at yarashaunt@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at yarashaunt. Thank you for listening, and may your fear be sharpened.